Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process, and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor. Making large financial decisions like buying home or refinancing can be very intimidating, even scary for some people. Today's episode of Finance with Factor is a special Halloween-style episode where I have a number of people on hold that will be calling in to share their scary stories. The reality is buying a home, moving through the process, should be fun. But you never know that if you've ever networked with other realtors or people in the, the home buying sphere, attorneys, realtors, lenders. You go to a cocktail party with us and it's nothing but horror stories. You'll never believe what happened to me is pretty much the start to every, every single story. Everyone seems to have a story that can top the next one. So today, I wanted to call on some of my friends, um, ask them to come and and share their scary stories with us and see if we can put together a little bit of a spook fest that hopefully uh, doesn't scare you away from wanting to buy or refinance a home, but does kind of show you some of the things that pop up. I often say the goal of this podcast is to take you behind the curtain at the Wizard of Oz and show you what really goes on, what makes the process, why you need professionals and to build out a well-rounded team. And hopefully this is just a little snippet into some of the things that can go wrong and ways that we as real estate professionals can fix them, sometimes without you even noticing. So let's get this started. First up, we have Ken Ferris. He's a wonderful follow. If you are on Instagram, I encourage you to follow him at ken.ferris.re. Part of his posts actually inspired this episode a bit. His WTF Wednesdays are always entertaining for me, something that I always give me a little bit of a laugh and show me that he has seen some crazy stuff out there and been able to think on his feet more than one time. Uh, today, I know he's going to share a little bit of a story about ways that as realtors, as lenders, as real estate professionals, we're always sort of thinking on our feet. So with that said, Ken, welcome to Finance with Factor. Hi, my name is Ken Ferris with Pelletier Properties out of the KW Lemonster office. Uh, my scary uh, real estate story kind of goes like this. I was, uh, when I first was, was starting out in the business, um, I was doing all these open houses, you know, trying to get my foot in the door here. Um, one open house I decided to do, it was in the middle of February, it was a condo, and I had one of the um, super lock boxes um, that you need your phone for, and you know, the special key, um, and the key goes in it. Um, because it was February, it was freezing cold, and not only was the key stuck in the lockbox, the lockbox was frozen solid shut. So long story short, I ended up hosting this open house from my car and would just pop out every time I saw someone and say, hey, here's some pictures. Uh, let me know if you uh, want any other info on it and I'll get you the info from the listening agent. Um, and that's my scary story. 
Thanks so much. <laughs> that would be awful. I personally can uh, can identify. I can. I have a lockbox actually on my house once that froze over, and a contractor was trying to get in the house, and we were chipping away at the lockbox, broke it, and uh, it's still there. It's chipped, broken. I'll never be able to get into it. We just had to find another key, make a copy, and put a new lockbox up. Uh, so <laughs> I totally get it. When I first started in the business, believe it or not. Um, one of the ways that I would connect with realtors was actually going to open houses and I would pick the rainiest, crappiest, coldest days. And I would pick the open house that had the mar the house had been on the market for a couple of weeks. And I knew there was nobody going to go to that open house. So I would show up, I would bring a hot cup of coffee and Ken, I probably would have been sitting in your car with you, listening to the Pats game on the radio and, uh, chatting it up and, that's how actually a couple of my realtor partners and I got to know each other for the first date. We would sit there and watch a Pats game while nobody came to look at the open house. So, hey, you never know. Sometimes you can spin it into a positive. Next up on the podcast, I have Eric Rollo. I will pop you up real quick. Eric is the managing partner of the agency Boston. Uh, the agency, obviously a well-known brand across the globe, but new to Boston. Eric and his team uh, recently opening a new art recently launched and are opening a new office. Um, but Eric has been a realtor in this market, one of the top realtors in the Boston market for a long time. And he and I have teamed up on a number of deals. One thing that I always love about working with Eric and his entire team is that it really is a team process. You know, he, he brings in the lender, he brings in the realtor um, or realtors, he brings in the attorneys. And it, we really communicate throughout the entire process with everybody involved to make sure that it's a smooth deal. But that doesn't always go quite that smoothly. I know in particular, um, Eric, sometimes you just run across people that for whatever reason are a bit of an obstacle, whether it's a personality type or um, just the way that they do business. Um, they just always seem to get in the way and can't get out of their own way. Uh, and I know you have a story you'd like to share about that. The, you know those people in the world that just everything like has to be a fight so that they can win. That's what this guy was. Like I could have told him that I was like gonna send a house cleaner to his house and you know, they were gonna do everything and I was gonna deliver whatever his favorite meal was and it, it would have turned into a fight. Like, well, where How'd are you, you gonna get? Around? But I just closed the, I wrote him a nice thank you note. I didn't turn it around. <laughs> I closed the deal and wrote him a thank you note. I'm sure I will be seeing you again soon. Happy to, we'll see you soon, Jason. Sometimes killing them with kindness is really the only way to do it, I guess. Uh, thank you, Eric, for joining us. And uh, I can, again, I can, I can say we've all been there. I recently just had a deal where the closing attorney on the seller side, um, the person was buying it as an investment property. And part of the offer had gone in. The whole thing was contingent upon them being able to show the place you know, there was a conversation that the realtor, two realtors had had, hey, my client's going to show this place prior to blah, blah, blah. Can we please list it? It was listed on lock. It was a vacant property on lockbox listed on the Showtime app. As long as we log everything, we can keep coming in and showing the place and get it rented so that we can have a tenant in here the day we close, right? Sure. No problem. We get the purchase and sale. And the attorney on the other side was just being a pain and digging in and really tried to scare his client into not letting people into that property. And while I get their perspective, 
again, it was just sort of uh, getting in the way for the sake of getting in the way. Like you, Eric, just someone who wanted to quote unquote win an argument. We ended up just giving him the point and working around him. Um, and it, it, it all worked out, right? Like everyone wins. And that's really the key in real estate, in my opinion, is that it is a zero sum game. Everyone wins or everyone loses. And you really do need the buy-in from your entire team as a buyer. So you need your realtor, your lender, and your attorney to be on the same page. But you also kind of need the seller's help. Um, next up, Sarah Catapano Friedman, a closing attorney with Crowley and Cummings. Um, I know you, as an attorney, see all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, you know, things that come up in purchase and sale, like visitation rights or, or access to the property, like we just discussed. Um, but even more in depth, things that you actually need the seller's cooperation on uh, in order to to make it work. Um, Sarah, welcome to Finance with Factor and, and please share your story. Hi, Jason, how are you? Um, so uh, one of the scarier poten or potentially scarier stories that we avoided, you know, I had a client who was buying a property that had an open order of conditions on it. You may say, what is an order of conditions? Well, an order of conditions is someone goes before the conservation commission and says, I wanna build something near a wetland usually. And the, the conservation commission may say, no way. <laughs> or they may say, okay, fine, we'll let you build, you know, in this area, but you have to follow our rules. We're going to give you a set of rules. You have to record them in the registry of deeds. And when you're done, you have to have an engineer go out, make sure you actually complied with these rules, and then come back before us with your evidence that you complied. And then we'll give you a certificate of compliance so that you can record that in the registry and everyone will be, oh, great. <laughs> so I had a client was buying a property we made the seller actually go and get this this uh, certificate of compliance you can end up with a lot of things a lot of problems with orders of conditions especially those that are on your property solely as opposed to on a subdivision or a condominium where there are other people also responsible um, you can end up having to pay an engineer redo your property, <laughs> finding out maybe that, hey, what they built is not where they were supposed to be building, according to the Conservation Commission, remove that, and then uh, then uh, redo it again. Uh, luckily, that didn't have to happen. We got that certificate of compliance, and everything was fine. But you you know, those can be particularly scary situations <laughs> if you if you leave it to the new buyer. And even scarier if, uh you use the swear word of unrecorded land. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> unrecorded land is always fun. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. All right. Absolutely. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks again, Sarah. And that's just one example of a time when you kind of do need the seller's help in order to clear some conditions, right? Like that, that's part of the title search. And as you go through the process, next up on the podcast, I would love to welcome a friend of mine, Brian White. Brian is the vice president of Better Living Real Estate and runs an office uh, with a large team of realtors. Um, Brian and I have teamed up on any number of deals. Uh, I think I know the story that he's going to share today. Um, I, I think it's going to be about solar panels. So I'm going to share one that Brian and I teamed up on real quick before he joins us. Uh, 
that was kind of crazy and ties in a little bit with what Sarah was talking about in some ways. We had a client who um, it was a contested situation whereby basically the seller was deemed as um, it was an older couple and and the husband had, as we've all seen with Britney Spears and things like that, he had a conservatorship over the his wife. Uh, she was deemed not fit to sell and the kids were contesting that. So they were trying to sell this property. It was messy. It went to court. Um, it was, it was crazy. Um, basically what made it even crazier than crazy though, was that we were in process and suddenly we were about to get a decision and the judge actually dies. And so everything got delayed again. Keep in mind, this is in the middle of COVID. Everything's virtual. Like it's just taking forever. The deal ended up eventually we, it was deemed that she had the right to sell. He had the right to sell competency hearing went fine. Everything came in smooth and we were able to get the deal closed on the back end. I know Brian was working all kinds of crazy things to get their home sold. Um, our clients home sold. It was a, a three family with one of the units only to the studs. And he was able to work with some of his investors and people that he knew to come in and buy it. And it all worked out smoothly. But again, that's all behind the scenes. Um, the story that I think Brian is going to share is probably one that we teamed up on about solar panels. So uh, Brian White of Better Living Real Estate, I'll pass you the microphone and hand you the floor. Imagine hearing from your client that they just heard from their lender that they may not be able to buy their dream home that they're supposed to close on in two weeks because of an issue that the underwriters are having with solar panels and the rest of the deal is going to just fall apart. If you can assuredly say to your client that that is not going to definitely kill the deal, if they're willing to trust that you have a member of your client team to bring in and possibly be able to close a loan with an FHA loan in under 14 days with solar panel transfers, um, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. But to be able to pick up the phone and say to your client team partner, hey, is this possible with X, Y, and Z for these folks? And if I send you everything, can you possibly make that happen? And then to make it happen, and then to have them close on time is an amazing feeling. It was an amazing feeling. And to be clear, I was uh, the lender on the correct side of that deal. Uh, we, Brian and I had been in touch throughout the entire process. Um, the buyer decided to go with someone that they knew and had been recommended to them by a friend uh, to go with the lending options, but they were getting frustrated. They weren't hearing back. All of a sudden, the solar panel issue pops up and the other lender wasn't, for whatever reason, able to handle it. And Brian and I had continued to stay in touch. I had stayed in touch with the client throughout that entire process. And I kept saying like, no, 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 you've already ordered appraisal. Just stay with them. Like, I'm sure they'll figure this out. I can't figure out what the problem is. And then it kept going and going and going. And by the time we got about 14 days from closing, I was like, all right, clearly you've called me in tears now three times. Like this isn't getting better. And we're at a point where we've either got to jump ship and, and make it work or or whatever and and the client decided to pull the loan from the other lender and and work with me and my team and because we already had the pre-approval because we already had everything done because it was an fha loan we were able to transfer over 
the appraisal and jumpstart everything right into disclosures and then get right into underwriting and work right through closing. It is, I mean, everyone in their career has like bulletin board material. That one is absolutely bulletin board material. And I deeply appreciated Brian and the clients for entrusting me with it. And I still, to this day, cannot believe that we closed an FHA loan in 14 days. Um, so credit to, to my entire team and the back office for being able to even somehow pull that off. Uh, it was pretty incredible. But that's an example of a story where you actually know what's wrong, right? So like Brian and I were communicating throughout the entire process. We knew the problem and we had it identified. We knew we could fix it. Sometimes you don't always know what the problem is, or you're not working with a teammate, to Brian's point, um, the lender and realtor as teammates, not working with a teammate that can communicate clearly or isn't communicating clearly what's going on. And you just kind of get surprised. And when that happens, you know, it's chickens with their heads cut off running around like crazy. And that's when things really get stressful. Lori Hennigan is a partner of mine at Berkshire Hathaway in the uh, Medfield office. Lori is a wonderful realtor, um, very experienced, but when she started out, um, building that network can be one, a challenge, and two, working with unfamiliar lenders and not necessarily knowing what the problem is can make for a scary situation. Lori, welcome to the podcast, and uh, please share your story. My scariest real estate story. So the first listing I ever had uh, was in Franklin, Massachusetts, and uh, my client had a very large family. They were so excited to sell their house and find a new forever home that could really accommodate their big family. And so we were fortunate that we got their house under agreement and we found a, a wonderful home out past Worcester Mass for them. We got to about two days before the mortgage commitment was due and the lender was not responsive, not getting back to me. I kept thinking, you know, why isn't he talking to me? What is going on? And so the day before the mortgage commitment was due um, on the house that they were buying, the lender called me and said, I don't know what happened. I can't approve them. And I was beside myself. This was my first listing. Somebody was buying their house. The woman whose house we were buying um, was sick and needed to sell. And so I thought, I can't believe this is happening. And so I, I, being new, I, I really wasn't sure what the protocol was. And so I was able to find another lender and um, that lender took all the information and was able to get an approval for my client uh, and get them approved so that we could move forward with this purchase. It was um, extremely nerve wracking at the time. And, you know, I was just so grateful that we were able to move forward because if we weren't, there were three parties that were going to be actually four parties that were going to be out a property because um, of our situation. First of all, Lori, thank you for sharing. But the idea that someone calls you two days before closing and says, I don't know what happened should never happen. And it's exactly why the financing part of it can often be the scariest part for everyone involved. It like you and your situation, financing falls through, that begets dominoes that, you know, two, three, four, in your case, transactions down the road can still be impacted. It's why things like commitment dates are really important. Um, financing contingency dates, really important. And 
Mortgage contingency clauses are really important, in my opinion. It's why I wouldn't waive them, because there are always things that can come up um, throughout the process, and hopefully your lender is in a good position to communicate those with you and make sure that as a team, if there is a theme running through all of these stories so far today, it would be that as a team, you're communicating whether it's like the case in Brian's situation or with Eric, where you just don't have someone who wants to be part of a team. Um, the key is just kind of making sure that everyone throughout the process is in communication and can fix the problems as they pop up. I like to think of them as speed blocks or speed bumps and not roadblocks. Um, one speed bump that can definitely pop up. And one reason that those contingency clauses are so important is because during the process, one of the things you're going to have to do is review title. You remember Sarah's story about uh, a couple minutes ago about um, right of access and easements and things like that. Um, I have another attorney partner of mine, Marlene Marshall. Marlene, I'm going to pull you up here in just a moment. Thank you very much for joining Finance with Factor. I know you have a story about easements uh, that you would like to share, something that came up during a title search. So once you're in process, um, your attorney is going to do a title search or your title company, depending on the state, is going to do a title search, verify the chain of command, if you will, who owns what, where are the lines, all of that type of stuff. And Marlene, you have a scary story to share us about that. I had a buyer purchasing a property in Providence, and apparently the driveway was on a neighboring property. In my review of the title, I noticed that the buyer did not have the right to use the driveway. And so I was able to negotiate an easement prior to closing to ensure that the buyer had the ability to use and access the property via the driveway. Careful review of the title is key to avoiding so many issues with purchasing a property. Can you even imagine buying a home thinking you had a driveway and then finding out later that that driveway doesn't belong to you? And not only that, but you don't even have the right to use it. <laughs> yes, I can actually. And I'll share in a moment. But thank you, Marlene, for, for sharing. I'll pod you down for a moment uh, and share my story that comes perfectly with that. Uh, that was Marlene Marshall, Pelletier Clark and Marshall out of Cumberland, Rhode Island. Um, one of my favorite real uh, real estate attorney partners. I use her whenever I can in the state of Rhode Island. Um, she's wonderful. Um, but to your point, Marlene, I I once, so I own a condo in Somerville. Uh, it, was, it was the place that my wife and I lived before, uh, or that I bought before we were married um, and our first home together. Um, we bought it. It was a uh, two family. So we owned the first unit and someone else owned upstairs. He had converted the two family into condos and you know, whatever. Right. So we bought it from the first owner of the condo conversion and the neighbor upstairs 10 years later was selling. And the buyer comes to me as the current owner of the first unit. And it's like, Hey, we found this thing during title review we just had some questions. You know, everything was advertised as it's got a two bay garage. One is a larger bay and one's a small bay. And they had said the large bay was marketed with this property, but it turns out on title review, we actually own the small bay. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's always been that way. I've always had the small bay and um, unit two has always had the large bay. And I would assume it's always been like that. And the owner upstairs was insistent and he was indignant. Like, we are not 
doing this. They wanted a price reduction, all this crazy stuff. Um, and, and the deal was going to fall apart over a title issue, basically access to use the garage. Um, we were able to figure it out. The now owner of the second unit and I, we just kind of came to an agreement that she could continue using the larger bay. It was what she wanted. Um, it was one of the reasons she was buying it. We didn't deed it over to her or anything. So I technically own the larger bay, but we have a, a no cost lease agreement for the dual ownership of our property um, so that she can continue using that bay garage. And yeah, I mean, that stuff comes up a lot. In fact, um, I had one scary story that I can share as well about title issues. So I had this one client once where the national grid actually owned part of her shed or owned a part of her yard, the whole shed and part of her first floor bathroom. Um, so this actually goes a little bit back to Sarah's story as well. It was on national wetlands. So protected wetlands, national grid had an easement right. There were some power grids and things that ran through the back of the wetlands and they had access basically through her yard at the end of the cul-de-sac to get to those lines. And the problem is the way that they had drawn it up, the house was built right over those easements. So technically speaking, National Grid, if they needed to, could just plow right through that first floor bathroom. Obviously a huge problem. We were able to work with the sellers to take down the shed. Um, we relocated the shed out of the easement so that it wasn't in the path that National Grid had access to. And then for the rest of it, we actually had to go and um, Gail Pierce Recito, a realtor partner of mine, or a real estate attorney partner of mine, and I worked with the sellers, the seller's agent, the seller's attorney, and contacts that we were able to generate at National Grid. We ended up getting 18 signatures from all around the country at high-level executives from National Grid to change their easement path so that it didn't go through the property. And it took months to get it all straightened out and cleared and closed. But we were able to do it because we were, again, communication. Communication is the key through all of these concepts. The key is really just talking to each other, trusting your team, and working through the problems as they arise, being creative, per Ken's example, to get things done. With that said, I would love to bring up our last guest for the day, Alexa Dealey. Alexa is a realtor with Remax, um, and I think you have a story about just that, listening to your team and heeding good counsel when it's given. Hello, everyone. My name is Alexa Dealey. I'm a realtor with Remax Andrew Realty. I've been in real estate for 10 years now, and this is one of the worst uh, stories that I have. My clients were closing on a gorgeous new constructed home on the North Shore in Mass, um, and my clients did not want to do a final walkthrough, um, which, you know, we urge everybody to do. They said, no, it's new construction. Nothing can go wrong. So I said, well, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, so I'm going to go do a walkthrough for you. So I showed up and three of the windows were blown out with a BB gun. Um, the reason they were blown out was because the contractor owed someone money. Um, so this is just a reminder to definitely do your walkthroughs and listen to your realtor. Oh, geez. It's also a reminder to get title insurance. Uh, if you want to listen back one episode, uh, Sarah Catapano Freeman, I guess during this podcast as well, um, was able to come on and tell us a little bit about title insurance. Uh, that contractor had he or she decided not to blow out the windows with a BB gun and instead gone through it, we'll call it in a more legal and upright fashion, <laughs> and actually brought it to court. Could have said, hey, 
builder X, you owe me a bunch of money. And that can result in what's called a mechanics lien against the property. And something that would impact your ability to sell in the future or could impact your ability to sell in the future. And something that title insurance would indemnify and fix. The moral of the story um, on all of these, as you can see, is that things come up during the real estate process. There's a reason that people call buying, selling, and financing real estate one of the 10 most stressful things you can do in your life. It doesn't have to be stressful. The reality is, if you put a good team around you, you work through the issues as they come up, you can get through it. And, and hopefully, my goal is always to make an enjoyable experience. I know everyone I work with, the goal is to make an enjoyable experience. It's shopping, right? It should be fun. Um, thank you very much to everyone who joined me for this podcast. Just a reminder, if you've listened this long and you know someone who isn't listening, please tell them to subscribe, rate, review. Every single person who subscribes to this episode will generate a $10 donation or subscribes to Finance with Factor. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts, will generate a $10 donation to the Friends of Boston Homeless. Uh, I, I really want to make a large donation to them at the end of this year. And, and help bring someone off the streets into safe, suitable, and sustainable housing. If you have any questions about the Friends of Boston Homeless and what this really means and the impact, please, again, go back through the library. One of our first episodes was with a board of trustee at the Friends of Boston Homeless. And um, it's just a, a, great, a great organization that I'm very happy to affiliate this podcast and, and my business with. Um, again, thank you to everyone for tuning in to this episode of Finance with Factor, a weekly podcast where hopefully we encourage you and bring you behind the scenes uh, and keep you well informed as home buyers, real estate professionals, or whatever brings you to the podcast. Um, my goal is to keep you informed, add value to your lives, and hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Finance with Factor. Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance with Factor. Please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS, number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at jasonfactor.com.